Good evening. I'm glad to see all of you here this evening. I told you a couple of weeks ago that our goal was going to be that when we, when I started back teaching, that we were going to do a let one lesson from each book of the Bible. My intention was to start that about a month from now, but you know, some people had to go do surgery type things, and so uh, that forced me into uh, that forced me into work a little quicker. So I wasn't totally prepared, but I think it'll uh, it'll work out nonetheless. My goal was to have a um, like a little binder or notebook for you. That way, whenever we get finished, you can put this in, and the next time you can just put another one in. Uh, but I don't have binders since it turned out I was going to start to learn I was going to teach, I guess, 24 hours ago. So uh, that, uh, that's kind of, it may, uh, we won't have everything, but I'm going to trust that you can take care of this, that you can keep it and not lose it and all that good stuff, right? I can trust everyone, right? I don't know. Shorty didn't answer. I guess she's feeling, she's already lost her hearing aid. She's feeling worried that she might lose this. But uh, we are going to be tonight in the book of Genesis. Now, if you've turned, if you're on page 10 in your Bible, you've probably went too far uh, for what we're going to do tonight. So there's a, it's going to be easy these first few, uh, first few lessons. It may get a little tougher when we get into Amos and Obadiah and some of that, you may start to wonder, you know, where, where are we in the Bible? But hopefully we'll be able to, uh, hopefully we'll be able to go through this. The goal of this series of lessons is not to be too deep. Okay. I'm not trying, I don't want to spend tons of time on each book. Okay. I mean, we could, we could teach on the book of Genesis until we all fell over there. I don't want to do that. Well, I really want it to be like one night per. And then you've got this paper which maybe addresses uh, some of the major points that we might have. And it might allow you, uh, in a sense, kind of a cheat sheet. Now, this is not like what Brent had, where you've got to fill in, you know, fill in the blanks. So uh, we don't have to do that. But I want to start uh, with this piece of paper. And kind of a three-part divide to it. So what I have here on the screen is the same thing that you have on yours. So if it's a little harder to see, it may be better here. But for each of these books, we're going to look at uh, kind of an overview of them and then one lesson from them. So the first one is the book of Genesis. And Genesis means beginning uh, as a term. And as you can see here, it is the first book in the Old Testament. Now there are how many books in the Old Testament? 39, good. So that means 39 weeks from now, 39 weeks from now, we should be done with the Old Testament. So uh, you'll be booing me off stage by the time we get to Corinthians and all that kind of stuff. The author of the book of Genesis is given to be Moses. Uh, Moses. And these dates written are obviously rough estimates on what they are. But roughly... 1430 B.C. So real quick on B.C. and A.D. This gets confused by some people. Uh, sometimes people will say that they, they interpret B.C. to mean before Christ. They're correct. And they interpret A.D. to mean after death. They're incorrect. Okay? 
Because if it's before Christ and after death, that leaves a gap in between that wouldn't be known. Okay? So B.C. means before Christ. A.D. is Latin for Anno Domini. Okay? Which means the year of our Lord. So technically, if Jesus were alive today and never died, then by the math, he would be 2,021 years old. He'd be an older fellow. All right? I don't know if y'all went to school with him. I don't think we're none of us are that old. But he was, he'd be old. But that's what it means. Now, we can get real deep in the woods and say that technically those dates aren't really right after they've looked at them more. But that's no big deal. But the point of this is that about 3,450 years ago, the book of Genesis was written. This has been a while. Okay? These are old books in the Old Testament. Now, Genesis covers a time period of about 2,200 years. So it's a long, lengthy book. As you can see here, the Old Testament, see, I didn't ask you a question before we got there. If you, if you played it or if you were looking at your paper, uh, you could have seen it as well. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, which makes for 66 books total. As you can see here, the claim to fame. It is the first book in the Bible, as you know, and it covers the longest time period in the Bible. And you see that in some of the earlier Old Testament books that sort of serve to set the table, to sort of tell the story of what happened. So especially the first five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they all sort of serve an introductory purpose to the Bible. Those are what the Jewish people call the Torah. Those are the five sort of historical books for Jewish people. Okay, and they sort of tell that story. Well, we're not Jewish, but we still use that in the same way. These are sort of the stage setters for Christ and ultimately for Christianity. Now, famous stories here. You're going to recognize all of these stories, I would imagine. The first one, the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You'll find that in Genesis. Second one, the story of Noah's Ark. We remember the story of the flood and the animals and all of that. The Tower of Babel, I believe we were talking about that on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, that was mentioned, uh, where they wanted to build the tower uh, you know, to, to try and get close to God, uh, and that was not what God wanted. The story of Abraham and Isaac being sacrificed, uh, Jacob, uh, a few different things here, Jacob's name to Israel, Joseph kidnapped in Egypt. Some of those may be familiar. We could spend multiple weeks on all of those if we wanted to. A couple of verses that you may remember. The first one I think all of us may know. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the starting point of the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. That's what we read just a few moments ago. So we'll be looking a little bit about that here as we go forward. And then... Genesis can be broken down into two parts. And a lot of these books, especially the ones that are bigger, have multiple parts. The first part says here, prehistory contains everything from Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 12. So the first 12, uh, you get the birth of Abraham, you get the creation story, the flood, the tower of Babel. The second part, which is verses uh, 12, chapter 12 through 50, the story of the patriarchs. And in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, the patriarchs is who God initially spoke through to the families. The patriarch would be the male head of the family. 
And that's who God spoke through. This includes Abraham, Isaac, Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, who is not considered a patriarch, but still serves a really important purpose in the Bible as well. The biggest point here in the book of Genesis is right here. These men make up the start of the nation of Israel. Now, that's the start of the nation of Israel. That's the start of Judaism. And all of these people that are in number two here are significant people in the Jewish faith. So that means they were significant people to Jesus. And because of that, much of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament will refer back to these people in the Old Testament. So the importance of us studying this is to help us understand as a, quote, New Testament Christian, what the person who started New Testament Christianity was talking about. If I were to say, I don't need to know anything about the Old Testament, then I'm basically saying, I just want to be dumb about a whole lot of things that are in the New Testament. It would be a, it would be a dumb thing for me to do. Now, we don't study the Old Testament as a... This is something that I must do to be saved. We talk about how the old law, when Jesus died, the old law was hung on the cross with him. But just because it's not something that deals with our salvation doesn't mean that we can't still work on it. And so that's what hopefully, when we look at each of these books, we'll, especially these first 39 in the Old Testament, we'll be able to gain a little bit of something from it in the process. Any questions about any of these three things up here. So hopefully you'll like these breakdowns. I, I think these sheets are kind of nice. Uh, gives you a little bit of something to look at. Uh, and, uh, you know, it might help you with study or, you know, trivia questions or if somebody needs, some, needs to know something, uh, it might help you uh, in the process. So what I'm looking to do, as I said, was looking to take a lesson from each book. And so tonight... We're going to talk about, because I think it's fitting for the book of Genesis, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve. All right? Adam and Eve. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 2 to start with. Genesis chapter 2 to start with. We're going to read first about Adam and talk a bit about him, and then we're going to read about Eve and talk a little bit about her, and then we're going to take a couple of questions from each of those and think, what can I learn from Adam and Eve? And truthfully, just because you're male, you can learn a lot from Eve. And just because you're female, you can learn from Adam. So let's don't get confused on, uh, on, well, I don't have to listen to this part or that part. Jill, do you care to start for us? Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. So we're going to see everything in verse 8 and 9, especially verse 9. We're going to see it mentioned quite a bit. This Garden of Eden and then this tree of, uh, of life, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to see all of that come up multiple times tonight. Mary, do you care to read verses 10 through 14? Where there's gold. 
and the gold of that land is good. Delium and the onyx stone are there, and the name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush, and the name of the third is Hedetho, which is the one that goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth is the Euphrates. Okay, so these rivers here, uh, that they talk about these four different rivers. People have spent a lifetime sort of searching for what these are. Uh, the Euphrates is the only one that really rings a modern bell on a, uh, on a map. Uh, I'm not sure if these rivers are uh, specific to certain rivers that are today. Uh, the names of these things change over time. I don't know what it is. But giving you sort of a rough idea of where these uh, folks would, uh, the, the, the story sort of starts. If you've ever watched the news in, let's say, the last 30 years and seen anything about Iraq with the U.S. maybe being involved in wars in Iraq, that's roughly the area that we're talking about, okay? So uh, if you see, if you turn the news on and there's fighting or something in Iraq, that's sort of where the Genesis story begins. So maybe that, uh, that might do a little something for you. I don't know. Uh, Ella, do you care to read verses 15, 16, and 17? So after we've established in verses 8 and 9 sort of where Adam and Eve were and then verses 10 through 14, a geographic location, then this is the first set of sort of yes and no's that we get. Verses 15, 16, and 17, the Lord says, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, except verse 17 they're not, they were not to eat of what? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because it says, for when they eat from that tree, what will happen? You shall surely die. Okay. Now, we'll get into it just a little bit but there, uh, here in a few minutes. But that's a sort of a real clear statement there, right? You can do this, but you can't do that. As a parent, we've probably all made those statements. As a child of parents, we've all heard those statements. You can do this, you can't do that. Well, we all know, too, that if I'm not supposed to do something, then if I do it, what might come from it? There'll be consequences. It could be some kind of a punishment. There would be consequences that would come from it. So if they say, do not do this, and you do it, then there may be punishment. We all can relate to that. God is telling the people, uh, he's telling Adam and Eve here in this story, the same type of thing. And that, do you care to finish up for us? Verses 18 through 25. Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and 
he slept and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh, instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Thank you. So in this set of verses here, we see Adam and then we see uh, his uh, soon-to-be helpmeet, uh, who's actually not given a name there in what we, uh, what we have just read. Um, but this creation of a uh, woman, it says she would be called woman uh, in this story. Verse 24 is one, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard this uh, said at a wedding. Uh, at, at some point, and this is what we see here, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You may hear that uh, in weddings. Now, <clears throat> I've got a series of questions here that I want us to think about. They will come from places perhaps other than what we just read, okay? So you might want to put a bookmark on what we just read because that's where we're going to base from but you may need to turn forward or turn back in the process. So I don't want you to think that everything comes from right there, but I'll try to give you the verse of where to look uh, in the process. Now, the first one is what I read up here on the screen before we got started. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. What manner, I guess we say, after what manner and in what order did God create man? Verses 26 and seven. What sort of method did he, did he, was it, what were they thinking about when they created it uh, in verse 26? He said, we're going to make man after what? Say that again, Joe. Yeah, verse 26, chapter 1, verse 26. Let us, and notice that us is capitalized there, okay? <clears throat> this is, we think about the creation story being God, Right? But we also talk about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit as one in three persons, right? And so when it says us, if I were to tell you that I am going to Tennessee this weekend, that's me saying that I am going individually, right? Okay? But if I were to say, I want you to pray for us as we go to Tennessee this weekend, then I'm talking about myself and someone else, right? Me and Mary and me, Mary and Will. There's multiple people. So when we read in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. That sort of starts this understanding of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Dad said this a couple weeks ago that we have to remember that Jesus came to earth as a man, but he had been there the whole time uh, with God, at the right hand of God before him. So we're made in God's own image. Now, does that mean that me or you, does that mean Ron or Joyce look like God? Does that what made in his own image means? What do you think? Okay, 
So what does it mean then? Let us make man in our image. Okay. Any other thoughts on it? I think we're good on all of that is what we're saying. Yeah, I, I think I, I think we could interpret this or we can read this as saying they, they knew what they were attempting to create. You know, that, that, that man w- w- would be in the sense made in the image. It wasn't so much a look like, although it could be a model after, but man would be able to sort of exist in the way that God would hope that man would want them to be able to exist. You know, if I were to create something in my own image, I probably wouldn't create a dog. But now are there similarities between dogs and people? Sure there are. There's loyalty. You know, that's something that that exists. But we we would say, okay, but there's some similarities, but it's not the same. Well, I don't know what God looks like. We never get that description of what it is. But we read here that the creation was made, man was made, in God's own image. So God knew what the creation was going to look like. We'll put it that way uh, in this. Now, as we read there then in verse 26, uh, we go on down to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then we see that uh, take shape a little bit more uh, after that. All right. So in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, where did God put the man in whom he had made? Okay. It put the man... That God planted a garden eastward in Eden where they were. So this is the starting point as it were. So we think about the garden uh, of Eden right there. In verse 15, which we read just a moment ago, what was the task of man? There you go. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And I think that's us on earth here. It was our responsibility was to take care of the earth, take care of ourselves, that we would be with people uh, here as it will eventually play out because it's assumed that eventually Adam and Eve would have children. Now, people were placed in, or they were placed in this garden, but they were given some freedoms as well, some liberty as well. In verses 16 and 17, what's an example of liberty that God gave man? And what's an example of restriction that God put on man? Okay. They couldn't eat from the one tree, right? But now, was there any reason for them to starve? No. No, because why? There you go. They had all these other options, but not this one, right? It's kind of like if you had a cabinet full of food and said you eat off of this shelf and this shelf and this shelf, but not this one. Anybody else thought? Oh, <laughs> Sorry. So, all right. A little bit. I'm turned down to 70, okay? Can, can we handle that? We've, we only got 20 minutes left. We can handle, surely we can do, we can do anything. I got to I got to save Marilyn. I was, I'm worried about her. She's, she's about two more fans away from taking off flying. She's building up air over here like crazy. So, so there was restrictions that were put on them. They could from this and they could not eat from something else. So now in 
what we later find out in the next chapter, I'm going to ask you this, even though we haven't covered it yet. What transgression, what sin will Adam ultimately commit? What does Adam do wrong in the Garden of Eden? He ate of the fruit. He had this whole list of things he could, but not one, but one that he was not supposed to. Now, we tend to look at this and say, man, what an idiot. He had it made and he blew it. But do we sometimes know what we should do and what we shouldn't do and then go ahead and do what we shouldn't do anyway? The devil maybe. He listened to her. He may well, we're not, we're not too hurt yet. We're going to get there. But we're, you can't answer that question. We'll get to that in a second. But we, we all have an understanding of what we should and shouldn't do. But we sometimes still do the shouldn't do and even when we know we shouldn't do it. So, was Adam human? He was. He was. He was infallible, ultimately. And, or he was fallible, I should say, not infallible. He was fallible, but we are the same way. All right? Now, we'll see what the punishment they get here in just a second. But I want to turn and look at Eve for just a second. Let's turn over to the third chapter of Genesis, if you're not there already. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Lucille, do you care to read Genesis 3, verses 1 through 8? So, how was Satan able to deceive Eve? How was he able to trick her? That may not even be the right word. Convince her, perhaps. He was subtle. He was cunning. He was maybe not going to come right out and say, "Eat this now," you know? Because most of us are like, well, "I don't want to do that." You know, that we can we can deflect those kind of comments. But he was sort of subtle about it. And we see a couple of verses later how he was. What did he ask the woman in verse 1? Anybody say in verse 1? What does, as he starts the conversation, what does he ask? He's, mm-hmm. He said, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? So he asked that from the get-go. He asked her, he said, has he really said that? Let's put a little doubt there, right? 
place a little bit of doubt in somebody's mind. Eve responds like I think all of us would hope that we would. She said to the serpent in verse 2, what? We may not. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. And then go on to verse 3 then if you want to. So she comes back with fact, right? She comes back with the fact. If I said, who was the first president? You say George Washington. You come back with a fact. He said, did he really say that you can't do it? And she said, yes. He said, we can eat from this one right here, but we cannot eat from this one right there. Okay? That'd be like living with my sister. Jess was so much on the facts. I, I, I want to bend a little bit sometimes. Jess wouldn't let you do anything like that, especially if you're playing a game. You had to play it by the rules or she wouldn't allow any of that. But Eve answered the way I think we all would know. I'm allowed to do this, and I'm not allowed to do that. Now, what's interesting here is that then Satan comes back with a follow-up question. Or maybe a statement might be the say. What does verse 4 say? The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now, that's a really close statement to the original one, right? There's only one word difference, right? What's the word? Not. It went from you shall surely die, that's what he thought, to you shall not surely die. But now that might have been easy to say no to as well. He said, wait a minute, you lied. That's not what he said. But he doesn't stop in verse 4. He goes into verse 5 and he says, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It was not a you shall not surely die. Okay, I'm done here. He said, Here's why he's trying to trick you, trying to be better than you. He knows that once you eat this, you're going to be just as good as him. Play on that band and pride there just a little bit. She wasn't as easy, she couldn't respond as easy to that, right? So when the woman saw that the tree was what? We asked the question there. There you go. It was good for food. It was, re, uh, it was pleasant to the eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. Do we still struggle with those kinds of things today? Are those things that come up that bother us today? Something is good, pleasurable, desirable, it's gonna make me smarter, you know, I don't know all we still deal with those kind of things. Remember we said a minute ago, Adam was a man, he's a human. Was Eve a woman and human? Yeah. This book happened a long time ago. Still dealing with those same issues. Absolutely. So she takes the fruit in verse 6 and eats, and she gives it to her husband with her, and he ate. And it says in verse 7, both of their eyes were what? They were open. Now, does that mean they couldn't see beforehand? They weren't blind, but when their eyes were opened, what ended up happening? In verse 7. They knew they were naked. They knew they had done wrong. They realized. You can maybe read that. that you know, they realized what they had done. We still use this term sometimes. Boy, that really opened my eyes when I saw that, right? You ever used a term like that? You know, I was kind of, I was naive or didn't really get it. I didn't really, oh, now, boy, I, I get it now. But sometimes when we say that, it's too late, right? You know, I would have never hired that guy if I knew what it was going to be. Well, you're already $2,000 in the hole. You're stuck, right? 
Where was, what was Adam and Eve's situation once their eyes were opened? Yep. Think about a tube of toothpaste at your house. Before you came to church tonight, I'm guessing you probably brushed your teeth. When you put that toothpaste on the toothbrush, if you had said, oh wait, I already brushed my teeth a few minutes ago. Can you take that toothpaste and put it back into the tube? It doesn't work that way. It's already out. That's kind of what we see here with Adam and Eve, right? Their eyes were open. They realized what they had done wrong. There wasn't no way to get that toothpaste back in the tube. They couldn't go from, oh, we've not sinned, or we've sinned, oh, let's go back to not sinned, right? They couldn't do that. That's the good thing about Christianity is we do have that option now, but that's not the way the whole world. But Adam and Eve were revealed. They, they, they realized that they had done wrong. Let's read a little bit further. Uh, Boo, do you care to read verses 9, Genesis chapter 3 still, verses 9 through 19. So what Lucille read a minute ago ended with Adam and Eve hiding from God. And God comes back into the picture in verse 9, and he says to Adam, he says, where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Adam told on himself right here, right? God said in verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? said, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, Adam does right here what a world history of people have also done. How does Adam respond in verse 12? It's her fault. <laughs> her fault, right? What's verse 12 saying? The woman. The woman that what? That you gave me. So Adam blamed two people in that verse before himself, right? He said, the girl's fault. It kind of your fault, God, because you're the one who gave her to me. At no point in verse 12 does Adam say, my bad, I messed up. Do we ever do that? Your fault, not mine, your fault. And technically, probably the other people's fault as well, you know. We're quick to do that, right? Now, Eve, 
will respond in a similar way. If we go on down to verse 13, the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? He simply asks her a question. And how does Eve respond in verse 13? Yep, serpent, he, he did. He tricked me. I don't I knew him wrong. He tricked me. He he was he tricked me. I, I would have never done it, but he, you know, it happened. Do we do that? We all do that, right? We all do that. Now there's a lesson here for us in dealing with things today. Trusting. I'm sorry? Trusting Yeah, trust there. But it's real easy to just say, nope, nope. Put point the blame on other people. I do it. You do it. If you have ever lived in the history of the world, you've done all this, right? But to guard against it. But to own our own actions here, as it were. Now, it does make me wonder how God would have handled this situation had Adam said, I made a mistake. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe your parents said it to you, or you said it to your kids, where you said, if you had just been honest, we wouldn't have to deal with any of this. You ever had a situation like that? If you just told me the truth, we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have done all this. That was one of the things that I, we used to do when I was doing the principal job. Kids would come in, they'd lie up one side down the other, and I've got the evidence right in front of me. And I'd say, if you had just told me, you probably wouldn't have even got in trouble. Now you're going to get suspended or this or that. Like, <clears throat> they were lying to God and hoping maybe that he wouldn't know. God comes back with a punishment. We read all of that there just a moment ago, but a few different things that he said there. He basically says you are cursed. Well, he said that to the serpent. You'd be cursed more than uh, all cattle. But he puts trouble into the life of women. And he puts trouble into the life of men. And people still, we, we have these troubles even today. The things that are mentioned there. Uh, you're, multiply your, greatly multiply your sorrow and conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your, uh, and your husband would rule over you uh, to the man. It says, cursed is the ground for your sake. Uh, thorns and thistles shall come up from the ground. Ron, you've gardened a whole lot. Did you ever have any thorns and thistles come up in your garden? Those pains, weren't they? There was nothing good from it, right? You had to get rid of them, but no matter how you got rid of them, they came back, right? It was a non-stop end. That's, it looks like farmers had that trouble thousands of years ago, the same as today. It says, the sweat of your, fa- your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground from out which you were taken. Basically, you're going to have to work from sun up to sundown until the day you die. Adam it would appear, could have lived forever in the story. The serpent said, thou shalt what? Surely die? Not. Pretty big lie that was told right there. Raymond, do you care to read chapter 3, verses 20 and 21? Can't see? Okay, that's fine. Lucille, uh, uh, Lucille, I'm sorry. Uh, Linda, do you care to... Linda, just go the whole rest of the way. 20, uh, 20 through 24. Lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever. 
Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the cherubim. All right. So what's the punishment, immediate punishment here for Adam and Eve in this story? Last couple verses that Linda read there. What's their immediate punishment? They were sent out of the garden. So they had perfection and they lost it. Is that correct? Can we read it that way? So the immediate punishment was that they had to leave the garden. And not only that, it was not even open for them to come back, right? What does is, what is the story say God put put at the gate of the garden, so to speak? Yeah. We can read it as like a guard in a sense. You know, there was a gate put up, a guard as it were, and they wouldn't be able to come there. And so what ends up happening, we're not going to read it tonight, but what ends up happening is that Adam lives an incredibly long time. But what happens? He dies. Now, all of that could have been avoided at first by doing what God said. But second, who knows what might have happened had they been honest in their mistake. And so when we look at this story here, we see the whole reason that Jesus would have to come eventually. Because there was sin in the world from about page 6 in the Bible further, right? We got about two, we got two or three pages into the Bible and there was sin from that point on. And so because there was sin, there would have to be some sort of reconciliation for that. Eventually, the Jewish faith and the Jewish law, which we'll get to in a few books, the Jewish law would allow for sacrifices to atone for sin. But they never truly would. They sort of pushed the sacrifice out and that would push the sin back for another day. It would be the sacrifice of Jesus that would give the forgiveness of sins. And that's what we talk about uh, so much of the New Testament talking about. Any questions? Well, Adam was also going to have to work for his living and he, and he wouldn't have to if he could stay in the garden It sure looks like when he says, now you're going to have to go out and work, you're going to have to eat the sweat of your brow. It didn't look like he was going to have to do any of that beforehand. And I mean, I think probably all of us who have jobs or who had jobs before we retired probably enjoyed our jobs, but we probably all pretty much liked the retirement when that came as well, right? Well, he seemed to have a retirement from the get-go. Nobody who's retired wants to give it up and go back out and work hard. And that's what, Ella, you're exactly right. That's what happens there with Adam. Other, any other questions? All right. Well, hold on to your paper. We'll be we're done with Genesis, but we will uh, the next. What will we talk? What are we going to cover next time? Exodus. What will we cover in twenty six weeks from? No, I'm just kidding. I won't make you. I won't make you guess that one uh, right there. But hopefully, you enjoyed it. That's kind of our goal uh, to kind of go over it and then just have a lesson uh, of something from each one. Like I said, there's a million other lessons that we could go with uh, in Genesis, but we'll we'll do one per each book. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again next time.